Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today is episode 80, and I want to talk about prayer is a weapon. So that is the title for today's message, Prayer is a Weapon. Excuse me, I have a little bit of a hiccup. So here's the thing. There are many people that they, they claim to be Christian. They think they are Christian, but they hardly ever pray. And when they do pray... they either a don't know what they're praying for or about or they they're not praying necessarily the right way and i'm not saying that people are wrong it's just that if you're going to pray make it worthwhile make it meaningful and do it in a way that is pleasing to god because i think there are many ways that people pray that it is not pleasing to god and it does not bring honor to him or to yourself or to any church or to the the Christian faith. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still getting over a little bit of a cough. So to dive into this just a little bit more. You know, I think that if if people are having a problem with praying or they don't understand prayer, then my suggestion for them or for you is that you read the book of Psalm. The entire book of Psalm It's basically one big prayer. And if memory serves correct, there are 150 psalms in that book. Like there's 150 different ones. But I'm going to double check that because I haven't looked at that number lately. But here's the thing. All of the psalms within the book of Psalms, they are all individual prayers. And technically they are requests. And what's interesting is that there are some people that they are against prayer because I guess there's some people that don't believe in God, so I guess this is a good message for atheists and agnostics because God is real, he does exist. And if you need help understanding who what when where how why, read the Bible. And if you still don't believe after you you have read the Bible, then I think you need to look in the mirror. And that's not to say that you are God. It's that We were created in his image. So being that we were created in the image of God just by being you and being alive and being born, being created, that's how you know that God is real because none of us are an accident. So I'm looking in my Bible and there are 150 psalms in this and what's really interesting is Psalm 150. I'm going to read this to you. It says, "Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary." Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to the abundance of his greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath and every breath of life praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. You know, if you don't believe that God is real, this proves you incorrect immediately. It proves you wrong because God is real. Here's the thing. We have sanctuaries, we have heaven. We know that there are mighty acts that occur on this earth. We know that God is abundant and he wants to make our lives and everything in it very abundant, so he does not believe in poverty. Poverty is a curse. So if someone is taking on a vow of poverty, that's actually very ignorant and very stupid and not at all what the Bible says to do. What's interesting here about verse 3, actually the next several verses is that, you know, if you're going to a church that doesn't believe in musical instruments whatsoever, this proves you wrong because it says to praise God with trumpet sound, harp, lyre, tambourine, stringed instruments, um resounding cymbals, loud cymbals, and also with your breath, meaning your windpipes. So for those that say, "Oh, I can't sing," well, you're very stupid for saying that. If you think you can't sing, then why don't you ask God to make you a wonderful singer? God can do it. He can heal your body, he can make your voice very beautiful. Here's the thing though, the way that you approach God with that is you pray about it. Cuz technically what we just read is a prayer. It's a very uplifting prayer. It's giving God all the glory, all the honor. And there are some people that think <coughs> excuse me, 
When you give God all the glory, all the honor, that means that we don't get anything. That's not true at all. Like nothing could be further from the truth on that because when you give God all the glory, all the honor, he honors you. You know, I'll give an example. Like normally I I absolutely enjoy listening to Bill Burr. He's one of my favorite comedians, but He's not so much my favorite um these days because it really bothers me when he uses the Lord's name in vain. Like I don't mind the F word, I probably should, but I'm used to that word. And there's a funny way to use it, but using the Lord's name in vain? No. No, 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 no. So I wrote him, have not heard from him, I wasn't expecting to, but I told him, you know, basically, "Hey, you're one of my favorite comedians. I would listen to you more." But I can't because you use the Lord's name in vain. Like I'll be laughing, I'll be having a wonderful time listening to your comedy, and it's really funny. You obviously have an amazing talent, but the moment you say the Lord's name in vain, it makes me cringe. It just it just shuts off the humor, and I have to shut off your video, your podcast, whatever the case may be. I I can't take I can't take that. Cuz it's very offensive. And you know, I know that I shouldn't say no. He has he has said that either he was raised Catholic or at one point they went to mass or something. I'm guessing they're Catholic because he's from the upper northeastern part of the United States and he comes from a really large family, so I'm I'm assuming he was raised Catholic. Um but here's the thing. You know, he knows that saying the Lord's name in vain is wrong. He knows that. And so it's one of those things that even if you don't believe in the religion you were raised in, you should still respect God's holy name. So, you know, another thing I said to him was, and I closed with this in the email, and I was very nice about it. wasn't mean at all because I don't care to be mean. Being mean doesn't help anything. And I said, you know, when you honor God, God honors you. And that's just kind of how I left the email. And so. It's one of those things that there needs to be honor whenever you're whenever you are living your life but especially when you are worshiping and praising God. And here's the thing, everything we do is supposed to reflect the goodness of God. And I'm sure that if Bill Burr is listening to this, he's probably going <coughs> to excuse me, hyperventilate just a little bit. And again, I apologize for my cough, but it's a productive cough. And so um He'll probably hyperventilate just a little bit and probably go off on his podcast for a moment and probably think that I'm talking about oh, everything's got to be about Jesus, everything's got to be Bible thumper and you know conservative and you know you, you can't ever talk about anything else except the Bible. That is not what I'm talking about at all, at all. See, because there's the thing, you know, when when you're praying for something, and this is probably a really good example of this, when you're praying for something. Are you just praying what's in the Bible? You know what I mean? Like like are you just saying, you know, like for example, if I'm reading from this verse, let's say you're you're praying and you just go praise the Lord and that's the end of your prayer. Well, that's nice and all, but you're not actually praying about what you need help with. You're not really thanking God specifically for what you're happy about or what he helped you with. You're just saying, "Oh, praise the Lord." Amen. There may be some people that pray like that, but I've learned over the years that's not real prayer and that's not really giving God honor and praise because what are you praising the Lord for? Like there is a cause and effect to these things. So basically when you're praying, you need to be very specific when you're praying. You know, are you having problems with your health? Are you having problems with your family? Are you having problems at your job? You know, usually when people pray, usually they're not praying because they're happy. Usually they're praying because they're miserable or they've got a problem and they go to God with it, but they're not approaching it the right way. So, you know, there are some people that do pray when they're happy and that's beautiful. That is it's a very beautiful form of prayer. But here's the thing. If you don't open up to God, not to people, but to God. And I'm not saying you can never talk to anybody. I'm not saying that, but if you want if you want powerful prayer, you have to have powerful prayer. 
And what makes your prayer powerful is to be open and honest and just say it like it is with God. Just say it like it is. You know, let's say for example, you are a heathen. Let's say, you know, as Jesse Duplantis says, you know, a heathen from hell, which is what he said he was before he got saved. <coughs> Excuse me, but um just talk to God the way you normally talk. God can handle it. Let's say you're saying all these f bombs or something. He doesn't like that, but he understands where you're at. Like you need to go to God just as you are. It makes no sense to say, "Well, I'll go to church when I've cleaned up my life." That's not how that's not how this relationship with God works. Or I'll pray when I stop cursing. Good luck with that. God wants you to go to him just as you are whether your whether your life is just miserable or let's say your life is currently perfect or maybe you actually are really enjoying your life god will meet you where you are currently at not where you think you should be because what's interesting is that so many people don't pray because they feel shame they feel hopeless and they think they've got to be perfect in order to approach god i have news for you No one on the face of this earth has ever been perfect except for Jesus Christ, God's son. That's it. There's only been one and there will only be one. So, you need to get over that. Like you need to get over the whole, oh, I need to be perfect, I need I need to clean things up first. No. I think a lot of people view religion or or their faith with God, they view it as like their house. And They don't want guests over until they clean everything up. Well, let's say your house has been a wreck for a while. Obviously, you're not going to be able to vacuum it, clean it up, steam vac it, get the upholstery cleaned, clean the blinds. I mean, you're not going to be able to deep clean your house before people come over. You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing because you hadn't been cleaning it or you had not been cleaning it all along the way, right? It's the same thing with our faith. It is the exact same thing with our faith and our relationship with God. If you are not praying to God every day, even just a simple prayer, then you are not keeping up basically the housekeeping in your life, in your soul, in your heart, in your mind. And that's very unfortunate because prayer is a weapon. It is a weapon to defeat the enemy. It is a weapon to protect your life. It is a weapon to protect your job. It is a weapon to protect your family. It is a weapon to protect your mind, to protect your thoughts. It is a weapon to protect your health. It is a weapon to protect your house, like literally your house, your home, your apartment, your condo, your mansion, whatever. It is a weapon to protect, let's say you own a boat. Well, guess what? Hurricanes can happen, storms can happen out on the sea, out on the ocean. Don't you want that protected? Pray about it. Pray about. It. Prayer is a weapon to protect your nation. And yes, we do have a nation. Especially here in the United States, there are some countries that they don't view themselves as a nation, but here in the United States, we are one nation under God because if you don't think that we are one nation under God, then what are we? We wouldn't have a nation the way that we do today if we did not put God first. And one of the reasons why we have all this chaos in our country right now and a really bad administration in terms of presidency is because God's not number 1. Policy and politics is number 1 right now. Here's the thing, I've said this before, whenever you dethrone God, you are taking a huge risk, huge risk of having a whole lot of problems because you're basically opening the floodgates to anything and everything that is not holy. And here's the thing, anything and everything that is going on in your life that makes you sad, miserable, depressed, angry, frustrated, whatever the case may be, if it's not making you happy and it's not bringing you joy, those are the things that you need to go to God with immediately and pray about it. And never say, "Oh Lord, if it be thy will, heal me of this. Oh Lord, if it be thy will, give me a raise." It is his will. Read the Bible. Read it. Read the Bible and read a good translation, not these murky, muddy ones that it's like you don't even know what you're reading because they've they've just kind of 
they've overtranslated it is what they've done and they've stripped it of its meaning so the version that i read from just a moment ago is from the amplified version again one of my favorite versions here lately so you need to make sure you get a good bible that is translated correctly and that it has a lot of meaning in it and that the meaning has not been watered down because if it's watered down you're not really going to know what you're reading and you're not really going to know what to believe or what to believe in even though let's say you do believe in god you know i think bill burr he does believe in god it's just i don't think he knows how to practice any kind of faith whatsoever because i think that you know if he was raised in the catholic church he probably can't stand religion and i don't blame him i don't blame him because religion i hope that bill burr is listening to this you know here's the thing religion is not from god i'll say that again religion is not from god It's not of God. Religion was made by mankind. That's why religion just like in kind of its power struggle I would say is a problem, but God is not the problem. The devil is the problem. We do have an enemy. It is the devil, a fallen angel and all his stupid goons, all these other angels that followed him. and they lost the battle and they were thrown into the pit of hell and they still they caused problems here's the thing though prayer is a weapon notice i said it's not um a doily it it's not um a hanky it's not um it's not just a little puff of smoke or something it's a weapon what are weapons they are used to fight They are used to conquer. Weapons are used to stop evil. That's what weapons are for. Well, that is exactly what prayer is for. So here's the thing. Do you like being sick? No. Okay, you don't. Good. Then pray about it. And know that you're healed in the mighty name of Jesus and don't ever, like I said, don't ever use that word if. I hate that word if. And the Catholic Church for some stupid reason has gotten way off track from the bible like just steered away from it and made their own little bible aka the catechism <coughs> excuse me and they use this word if all the time if it be thy will well if you don't know the will of god that's probably your biggest problem right there that is probably the root of all your issues is that you do not know the will of god because you are using the word if all the time You know, Jesus never said, "Oh, if it be my Father's will, or if it be my will, I'll heal you." But hey, if it's not, hey, it's not. He never said that. He never did that. He never said that. He said, "It is my Father's will. I will heal you. I will do this." Jesus never said, "Well, you know, I only work Monday through Friday, eight to five." Anything outside of that, you know, that that that's really not my specialty, you know, after hours, ER, urgent care. You know, I'm not a 24/7 kind of guy. He never said any of that. People have said that. People have said that about God. That's what people are saying whenever they say, "Well, you know, sometimes God does, sometimes he doesn't." Where does it say that in the Bible? Nowhere. Nowhere. Everything that God says it does is yes and amen. Why? Because he loves mankind. Why? Because we were created in his image. So being that we were created in his image, why would he not care? Because to not care about us would be to disown us. God does not disown his children and there might be some that say well then how do you explain hell people send themselves to hell God does not and you're probably going whoa pump the brake it's true read the bible people send people send themselves to hell by the way they behave not being repentant and not believing in God and denying the existence of God because if you deny God he denies you God cannot have sin or unbelief in his kingdom in his house. He cannot have that. 
So that's why sickness, disease, and death does not exist in heaven. Well, if you read the Bible, you should know that we are supposed to have things on earth as it is in heaven. So whenever you have these pastors or preachers or priests or whatever, <coughs> excuse me, saying, "Oh, you know, God's trying to teach you a lesson, that's why you're poor." That's a lie. "Oh, God's trying to teach you a lesson, that's why he got you sick." That's a lie. God already has a lesson book or a manual. It's called the Bible. It's called his holy word, and it is his wisdom. It is his, it is his wisdom. I remember in college, this irritated me so much my freshman year. I met so many pagan idiots. And I never thought I'd meet people like this because, you know, I'm I'm born and raised in Oklahoma and I went to a Oklahoma university, a university here here in Oklahoma. And so I never thought I'd meet so many heathens. And I I just didn't think this really existed. But, you know, I met a lot of guys that either they were heathens or they were pretending to not believe in God just so that they could get laid. And so they would try and convince girls that God doesn't exist. So if God doesn't exist, you can go ahead and have sex. That is very evil and manipulative behavior. So not only do they want to take the girl's virginity, but they also want her to lose faith. they want her to lose hope because these pagan guys these heathens from hell i mean they were horrible some of these guys i mean just unbelievably evil it's like they're they're good little christian boys up until they're 18 and then once they go off to college oh it's a free for all so your oats you know bang as many virgins and girls as you can like that's classy like that is appropriate behavior like that is like how is that any different than what a pedophile does to children It is the sexualization of someone else in a very grotesque and inhumane manner. It's not holy. It's not good. It's not kind. It's not loving. You know, it just really shocked me the way these guys would think. Cuz then I would turn on them, I'd spit it on them and say, "Well, how were you raised?" They're like, "What? How dare you ask me how I was raised?" Well, how dare you ask me to get in your bed just so you can use me for sex? You want sex, you go buy it. Go get a prostitute. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Then why are you asking me? I'm not some stupid hoe. Like stop using women. Oh, they didn't like that. Here's the thing. These guys would get girls to question their faith and also they would say, "Well, God doesn't exist." So why follow the 10 commandments? Geez, so you're okay with murder? Well, no. Well, you just said you don't believe in God. You don't believe in the 10 commandments. So, are you also okay with stealing? Are you okay with armed robbery? Are you okay with someone breaking into your house, beating you and then leaving you for dead and stealing all your stuff? Is is that lawful moral behavior will know that's against the law. Okay, well where do laws come from? They come from the state. Mm, incorrect. Where do laws come from? I don't know the federal government. Mm, incorrect. They come from God. Well, why is that? We are one nation under God. Read the Bible. Well, I don't read the Bible. It's stupid. Well, no, you're stupid for not reading the Bible because you don't know God's promises. God doesn't make promises. He kills people. No, he doesn't. The enemy kills people and or people kill people. God does not kill people. You know, it kind of reminds me of um there's another comedian that I used to really enjoy watching. I don't so much anymore. Uh, Ricky Gervais. Sometimes he is so hilarious, but I can't stand it when he says really horrible things about God because he is so lost. Like he is a lost soul and I I have prayed for him in the past. And it's just like, you know, Ricky Gervais, he has some really good points in regards to I would say debunking the woke culture, but when it comes to God, he doesn't have a clue because he doesn't believe in God. 
And he thinks that God causes AIDS. It's like, well, if you don't believe in God, then how can you think that he caused AIDS? Like, God did not cause AIDS. He did not invent disease. So maybe Mr. Gervais should read the Bible as well. Because it's, it's just really sad when people don't understand They don't understand God's holy word. They don't understand God at all. And then they try and poke fun at it. And I'm like, you know, you are never supposed to mock the one true God. You should never do that. And I'll give another example. <coughs> Excuse me, like on Family Guy, I've mentioned this before. There's an episode where Meg is opening her locker um, at her high school and her face gets burned off. Because I guess either the Ten Commandments or the Torah or the scrolls or the tabernacle or something, or the Ark of the Covenant, excuse me, the Ark of the Covenant is in her locker. And so it sears off her face. And I'm like, that is one of the most disturbing things I have ever seen on Family Guy. And Family Guy, you know, it, it's a pretty funny show. But there are times they just go way too far. And I'm like, you know... It's not going to be funny, um, first of all, when any of those very disturbing writers, when, when they basically pass away or maybe they start dying from some disease, it's not going to be funny to them that they mocked God because guess what? When they get sick and they start dying off, who do you think they're going to cry out to? They're not going to cry out to Muhammad. They're not going to cry out to Buddha. They're not going to call out to like the Mormon church or something because that's a cult. At least family guy people know that. No, they're going to cry out to God. And it's like, okay, so it doesn't really make sense to mock God when everything's going great in your life. But then when you actually need him, you're like, oh, Lord, help me. God, help me. I didn't believe in you for the first 50 years of my life. And I treated you like garbage and I made fun of you. But, oh, now I need your help. Here's another thing. Let's say they don't even cry out to God when they're sick and they're dying or whatever. Well, here's the thing. Judgment Day is going to be very interesting because not a single bad person or one that mocked God and did not repent is going to make it into heaven. And there is a heaven and there is a hell. These things very much exist. So here's the point I'm trying to make with this. Prayer is a weapon because it guards and protects you from all these other forms of behavior that we are not supposed to participate in, which includes mocking God. And also, prayer is a weapon against every sickness and disease on the face of, on the face of this earth. Excuse me. So, so instead of making fun of God, why not believe in God and help others be healed? You know, I find very interesting is that, you know, Seth MacFarlane, he's very rich. At least, I think he's rich. Like, I think it was back in 2014, he, he had like a $150 million contract or something that he got for his show. And so he's probably worth way more than that if he hired the right people to help him manage his money or whatever. But anyway, what's interesting is that I read an article online, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm pretty sure it is, um, that he had donated, I don't know how much money, to like this panda sanctuary or something, like in another country, I think it was Australia or something. And I'll see if I can't find that article, because I was just shocked at this. So he donated all this money to like a, I guess some kind of sanctuary or zoo or something, where it has like a critical care unit for pandas, or what's it, koala bears? Some, some animal at the zoo, it's either a koala bear or a panda. And so basically they have a hospital for these mammals or whatever that are in the zoo or whatever. And so he donated all this money. And I just thought, you know, <laughs> it just kind of shocked me because I was like, how many people are in desperate need of life-saving health care? And normally, like, look, I'm not telling him how to spend his money or to donate his money because he obviously works really hard. Makes a lot of money. 
He's very wealthy. Unfortunately, he's, he's a stupid Democrat and a pagan liberal. Doesn't believe in God, and that's probably why his show has gotten bad over the years in terms of just being more and more heathenistic. And I don't like that kind of humor because it's not funny to me. Like I think the first ten to fourteen seasons of his show were awesome. They were so funny, but then it's just like as time went by, and like the more he passed off, uh, I would say the more he passed. I would say control to other people in terms of content. That's when this stuff became more and more disturbing. I think when Seth MacFarlane had complete control over the content, that's what made it really funny because I think he has a really good sense of humor. Because I think in order to have a a successful show like that, like Family Guy and The American Dad or whatever, um, in order to have humor like that, you have to think funny. Like you have to have a really good sense of humor. So over the years, I could tell. Okay, wait a second. These these shows are not as funny as they used to be, and they're getting more and more disturbing. And then I found out later that he kind of he just shows up to do the the voices for the characters that he does, and I think that's a mistake. I think that's a huge mistake. I think he should get back involved in all that because the content is lousy. But anyway, so. He donated a whole bunch of money um, to this animal project or whatever to help these bears, one way or another, um, whatever kind it was. Like if they need to be on life support or they need critical care or something like that, they have a center for them. I'm like, wow. Um, you know what's really interesting is that when I can always, I can pretty much always tell when someone does when someone does not believe in God because they equate. Animal life to humans, and that is a big problem within the Democratic Party, with socialists, liberals, and progressives. And that is exactly all those terms I just mentioned. That is exactly who Seth MacFarlane is. But yet people were like, "Oh, he's so nice. He's so kind. Look, he cares about the koala bears or the pandas." <coughs> Excuse me, or whatever. Let me get a drink of water. Hold on, just a moment. So all these people were just drooling over that he has all this money, you know, especially all these stupid chicks or whatever. And I say stupid because when someone has a lot of money but they don't value human life, first of all, you should never drool over anyone. And number two, that's not attractive to me. That someone doesn't value human life the way that they are supposed to. Because you have to remember that because of the party he's in, he's for abortion. He's also for homosexual marriage. He's also for transgenderism. See, this is why successful people like Seth MacFarlane give their money to things they should not be giving it to, because people are more important than animals. I'm not saying you can't ever help animals out, and that you know that you can't have centers like that that help them and things like that. But here's the thing. The liberal left, <coughs> excuse me, is notorious for having this extreme environmentalism. Well, here's the thing: environmentalism includes people, and people are at the top of the food chain. So, if you take care of people, then you're actually taking care of the environment and everything else, which would include animals. Because God made this planet, this solar system, this universe for us. It was a gift to mankind. So to to prop up animals as equivalent or more important than people, that is pagan, heathen behavior, and that is exactly what Seth MacFarlane is. He is a pagan. He is a heathen. He's not from hell, <laughs> but um, he he. Um, I'm not. I'm not in charge of people going to hell or not. But not by any means. That's not my job. I don't care to do that. I'm not part of that process at all. Here's the thing, though.、Um, there is a place in hell for people that devalue human life. There is a place in hell for people like that. And see,、so、here's the thing. You know, let's say. Well, let's do an opposites here. Okay. So we know what Seth MacFarlane does. 
He's a pagan and a heathen. And so he doesn't believe in God. He hates religion. I think he loathes it and despises it. And I I would imagine that's because of the way he was raised and the area that he was raised in because if memory serves correct, he's from the northeastern part of the United States, which is stupidly Catholic. Like they're just cathedrals and stuff everywhere. And I love cathedrals, they're beautiful, but it's just like indoctrination and I don't like that. I love the architecture, I love the buildings, and actually it is a beautiful Christian faith. But I just don't like the um, the I was gonna say the pagan side of it. Some of it is a little pagan, but it's cultish, you know. And I think the Catholic Church. Um, I think that if the apostles were to come back to life and inspect the Catholic churches in the United States or all over the planet, they would be so ashamed of what the Catholic Church has been doing for hundreds of years. because it is not the will of god that is taking place in catholic churches and i think seth macfarland identified that at a very young age probably as a child because he he strikes me as a a intelligent guy if he's not then he's fooled me but um i think he is very intelligent and i think that he spotted the hypocrisy of religion and the hypocrisy of the catholic church as a young child and see here's the thing Sometimes when kids they they when they don't have a positive experience with religion as children sometimes when they grow up they do a 180 and they go completely against any type of religion whatsoever especially God especially the one true God and that directly describes Seth MacFarlane So let's say for example what would be the opposite of what he is today So if he were the opposite He would be a good, holy Christian man. He wouldn't be sleeping around. He wouldn't be shacking up with girlfriends, whether that's plural or not. I don't know and don't care. Um, he would not disrespect the one true God ever. If anything, he would be a good, holy Christian man and a gentleman. He would still speak up about the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church. and the hypocrisy and the false indoctrination that is going on at these seminaries or cemeteries as we call them cuz I've said this before I've known some really nice guys that have gone to seminary whether it's catholic or some other denomination it's like they go in normal but they come out of these seminaries just dead to human life just completely unrealistic about everyday life everyday living and it's like they're so obsessed with the wrath of God and law and telling people what to do that I'm like okay that is not the love of Jesus Christ what they are doing these guys mostly men because supposedly women can't be priests which is bull it's total lie so they come out of these seminaries just warped and disturbed and whenever whenever they start preaching I'm like wow I just I feel like I just listened to a Pharisee or a Sadducee I don't care to hear hypocrisy I want to hear the truth of Jesus Christ even Jesus called out these religious leaders in his day so maybe we should not have priests or deacons or elders or pastors or preachers that resemble anything like a sadducee or or a, or a pharisee. So let me continue this and I'll close with this. So if Seth MacFarlane were to live the opposite of what he's doing, he would still be very successful and probably make even more money because God loves to bless his people and technically Seth MacFarlane is in God's family because he was made in the image of God. It's just that he's turned his back on God. So very unfortunate with that. But if he were a good kind Christian man, he wouldn't be giving all these millions of dollars to um panda panda care or koala bear care. I mean, I'm not saying he can't ever give it to them, you know. He can do what he wants uh, with his money, but he would have his priorities in check. Which means you do things God's way. There are so many people in the United States that are suffering right now. Suffering. And I'm not talking about having social welfare programs. All that would be bull. And here's another thing: if if Seth MacFarlane were Christian, he would not be a Democrat. If Seth MacFarlane were a Christian man, he would not be a socialist. 
He would not be a fascist, he would not be a communist, he would not be progressive, and he would not be a liberal. Now, I don't think he's a fascist or a communist, but he is a socialist. And being a socialist is very, it's kind of like the little cousin or the little brother to fascism and communism. Because it's just a stepping stone towards government taking more and more and more away from the citizens. And so then you are no longer a republic or a democracy when you have socialism, fascism, or communism. But you see, socialism, it makes all these promises. Oh, we care, we care. See, that's the problem with giving your money to things that don't value human life. Can you, can you support a zoo? Can you support all these things? Yes, I love zoos. I think they're wonderful, but it needs to be appropriate. It needs to be, you know, just, the first word I thought of was to be holy. Because, you know, whatever we're given, we're supposed to be good stewards of it. And people come first. Not animals. You know, when I did have a Facebook account, I used to follow, um, I guess, the, these different groups. I was involved in these different groups that talked about cats. And they would just have, like, you know, funny cat memes. And these, these cat groups or whatever... They, they kind of got dark, and I was like, what is going on with this? So instead of being light and humorous, like this is before memes kind of took over the planet in terms of this. So if you wanted a funny cat picture, you had to basically join a cat group on Facebook or things like that, and you would just follow the group or whatever. <coughs> and sometimes, excuse me, they would post really funny uh, cat stories and things like that, but then They started turning kind of dark, and it all turned, like every single one of them, I think I was in like two or three of them, every single one of them turned into, oh, my cat passed away. It was all about death. And I, I spoke up about it. I said, you know, I understand that people lose their pets, but it's just, that's all we're seeing on these Facebook pages is my cat passed away, and it's just tearful and tearjerker. And then people start complaining about the kill shelters. I'm like, okay, stop complaining, start doing Stop complaining, start doing. So if you want to stop that shelter from killing animals, then if you live in that city, then you need to raise it as a legal question whenever you guys vote. Or you need to become a foster parent for these cats or help them get adopted. Basically, be a doer of the word, not just a believer. So That's one of those things that, yes, you can believe in God and do really good things with your life for the kingdom of God. But also, you get to help out the animal life on this planet, but the animal life does not take the place of people. You know, it really does bug me that we have kill shelters. I'm just like, there's no excuse for this. And I don't think it's appropriate for animal control to pick up all these animals that there's nothing wrong with them. You know, they're just out living in a field or, you know, whatever the case may be. Except for packs of dogs. I think those do need, do need to be picked up because they can actually attack and kill people. But my main focus is cats because I love cats and I don't think they're a problem at all. So my personal opinion is, is that if these shelters are overloaded with cats, then just release them out into the wild. They're, they're animals. They, they, they know how to survive. They hunt mice. They hunt rats. Like, they're part of nature. I said that one time to someone. They're like, how dare you? How cruel are you to say to just release them into the wild? I was like, you got them from the wild. They were just probably walking back to their home, you know, like their little nest or whatever where they hang out, until someone stupidly called animal control, which usually kills them in less than 24 hours, They called animal control, had the animal picked up, and the animal's like, of course they're terrified and scared because now they're locked up in a cage. And then, so it's like, okay, so you think it's humane to call animal control, and if they don't get adopted out, they, they euthanize them. They gas them to death. It's a, they have gas chambers at the, at the city pound. So it's like, okay, you know, Cats know how to take care of themselves. Like, they actually don't need our help like what you think. Dogs, yes, because it's a whole different case because they have a pack mentality, and they can actually hurt people and livestock. And that has happened here in Oklahoma, unfortunately. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I couldn't take 
reading these posts on these Facebook pages anymore. It was so dark and depressing. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pray about it. And if I can help out by adopting a, a cat, if I can help out by being a foster parent, which I have done both those things, then then I'm helping out where I can. But the the problem with these kill shelters does not supersede the problem of people not having access to healthcare or well, they do have access to healthcare, excuse me. It's just people don't always want to pay for it or they can't afford it. And sometimes they don't have access to their medicines because they can't afford it. And here's the thing, socialized medicine is not the answer. Of course Seth MacFarlane would disagree with me on that, and I would love to have Seth MacFarlane on this show just to get his viewpoint on some of this. directly basically from the horse's mouth and here's the thing though if you want to lower the cost of healthcare you need to have more competition and you need to have more privatized medicine because whenever government comes in and takes over stuff it screws it up every single time see because whenever you make government your god then you're not going to pray about the stuff that happens in your life you're not going to give god a chance to bless you you're giving all your power and authority to your elected officials and to these stupid bureaucrats that don't value human life that have cushy wonderful benefit package jobs in Washington DC aka the swamp which is why we still need to drain it so this is why when you put god first everything else falls into place so when i read that article <coughs> excuse me about Seth MacFarlane giving all this money to this animal project or whatever i was like oh okay He for sure does not believe in God. Because he's not doing godly things with his money. Because he doesn't have the right priorities. And here's the thing, can Christians give to things like that? Yes, of course. You know, I I know and have met veterinarians that are Christian. They love animals. I mean, they would they would move a mountain if they had to 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 save someone's pet. Totally would do that, but they also know that pets, you know, animals do not have souls. Only people have souls. This is why we are at the top of the food chain. God put us there. And this planet belongs to people. It doesn't belong to the environment. It doesn't belong to a political agenda. It doesn't belong to a cause. See cuz if you think that everything is political or you think things are just a cause, then then you're missing the point of living your best life. Because if everything is a cause or if everything is political, I mean, talk about a different type of misery. You will not have the joy of the Lord if you do not believe in God. And so that is why people like Seth MacFarlane, this is why they donate to things that are not godly or holy. It's because they don't have God in their life, and that's very unfortunate. I mean, because just think about, I mean, I would imagine that probably Seth MacFarlane probably has like I don't know, 800 million dollars by now. I'm guessing, but if he if he got a contract for 150 million back in 2014, I can only imagine how much he has now because of all the shows he has now and probably he probably has really good investments. So it's like, okay, just imagine, let's just say he has a billion dollars. I'm making this up. I have no idea, not my business, but let's say for this this example, he has a billion dollars. That's the pagan way of making money. The heathen way. very unholy, very ungodly. When you have God in your life, he can he can basically double that, triple that way more than we ever could. So instead of having a billion dollars, Seth MacFarlane could have like 100 billion dollars because of the hundredfold. See, if you read the Bible and you know God's holy word, and you actually believe in the promises of God like you believe what he says is true because it is true then God will bless you but if you think a God doesn't exist or you think he's a liar why would God bless you again i go back to that example with Bill Burr when you honor God he honors you but when you dishonor God he doesn't honor you he doesn't dishonor you it just he doesn't honor what you're doing because he cannot honor something that is unholy because we worship and serve a holy supernatural god basically he's not man made 
A lot of people think he's man-made, like he's a figment of our imagination, like Santa Claus or something, but that is not God. God is supernatural, meaning he is above nature. And the reason why is because he made nature. You know, it's kind of like, and this is probably a, a not-so-good example, but I'll just say this. It's kind of like whenever you bake a cake. The cake did not create you. You created the cake. See what I mean? So there's a difference between the creator and the creation. God is the creator and he created all of this for us mankind. And we are made in his image. That is why we are one nation under God. <coughs> Excuse me. More importantly, and I guess just as importantly, this is why when you are praying, when when you are praying in such a way, and let me stand because I've been sitting for like 51 minutes. When you pray, your prayer life will change when you view prayer as a weapon. You know, it's kind of like when you're going into battle and you are prepared. You know, let's say for example, you are a soldier in you know in an army, And you know you've got the right gun, you've got the right ammo, you've you've got the right vest, you've got everything you need. So then, when you go in to attack your enemy or to secure an area, guess what? You are way more bold, you're way more confident because you have the equipment, and, and you know that you're safe and secure. It's the same thing with prayer. Prayer is your weapon. Prayer is your ammo against our spiritual enemy. Prayer is your is your spiritual weapon against death and disease. Because when you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you have the power of Almighty God on the inside of you. But if you don't believe in God, you don't have that power. If you mock God, you for sure do not have that power. I don't know which is worse, not believing in God at all or believing and knowing he exists and mocking him and turning on him. because that is extremely disrespectful. I mean, that's just I don't know why people do that. I mean, I think it's well, it's evil is what it is. Um so just recognize that prayer, it's not just something that religious people do, okay? Prayer is something that is very serious. I'm not saying you have to be serious, but Your prayer is a weapon. It's not a Kleenex. And and I use that example because there are a lot of people that are pagan, that are heathen, that are unbelievers, that are wickets, um that are demonics. And you know, oh, let me say this. Demonics know that prayer works because they know that Jesus is real. Because that spirit that's in that person knows who Jesus is. Isn't that interesting? Like even bad evil spirits know that Jesus is real but yet we have people on this earth that don't believe in Jesus but even the enemy knows that God is real isn't that interesting but anyway what I was saying was is that prayer is a weapon it it is not for the weak and let me let me clarify that prayer is something that is used when you need strength So when I say it's not for the weak, I mean like it's not for people that are like, well, this might work. Lord, if it be that I will, that is a weak, wimpy, whiny prayer. Be bold. If you're sick with something, say, "Lord, I'm sick with this. I pray that you annihilate this germ, you annihilate this disease and get rid of it." And I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Like you have to have authority because guess what? When you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you have authority. God gave you that authority. I'll say it again, God gave you that authority. But if you don't believe in him, you got nothing. All you have is what the world gives you. So for example, with uh not Bill Burr because I think he does believe in God, you know, with Seth MacFarlane and Ricky Gervais, just imagine what good men they could be if they gave their life to Christ and they actually helped to save souls from the pit of hell 
Just imagine how shocking that would be to our planet. The entire planet would be like, "Whoa, Seth MacFarlane believes in God?" Like that that like that would be a showstopper. I think CNN would pause and be like, "News flash." You know what I mean? Like that's how that's how shocking it would be. And guess what? Is Seth MacFarlane and Ricky Gervais and all these other stupid atheists that just don't have a clue about how much of their, their life they're throwing away. If they gave their life to Christ, heaven would rejoice like you would not believe. Because heaven loves it when people come back home. Because get this, Seth MacFarlane and Ricky Gervais and all these other atheists or agnostics or whatever, they are part of God's family. And God loves it when when his sons and his daughters come back home. And they say, "Father, forgive me. I love you. Forgive me my sins. I'm home. What can I do to help mankind?" What can I help to relieve other people's suffering? See, here's the thing. Whenever God blesses us, whatever we have, we're supposed to use that to bless others. And I want to be clear about this. That doesn't mean that that you give everything away and you become a pauper. That is one of the dumbest, stupidest things you can do, and that is one of the things that the Catholic Church preaches. Of course, they want you to give all your money to them. <coughs> here's the thing. There is no point in becoming poor because then you can't help anybody. You know what's interesting is that with the tithe, all that God asks is 10%. Like think about, it. let's say you make a million dollars a year. You know, 10% would be $100,000. That's peanuts compared to what the person made, right? But that's all that God asks for. Cuz what God does, when you tithe 10% of your gross income, not after taxes but before tax right because government is not your god only god is your god so when you give god the first 10% of your income and you tithe that god supernaturally blesses the 90% that you keep that's why we serve a supernatural god because you know this planet and the people on this planet they can't supernaturally bless you they they can they can help you have a job or something if they don't turn on you but no one on the face of this earth can supernaturally bless you only god can do that that's why when you give him your first 10% off of your gross income okay god blesses the 90 so it's almost like you made like 300% but all god ever asked for was the 10%, basically the first fruits. And if you need clarification about first fruits, read Genesis. Technically tithing is all throughout the Bible, but if you need a better explanation cuz I'm going to go over a little bit on time on this, but maybe we'll do a first fruits um series on that because once I understood first fruits, I was like, "Oh, tithing is good." Cuz I was raised, you know, if you've heard this podcast before you know that I was raised in a cult I hated I was raised rat the god church of christ I hated tithing I did everything I could to get out of it I would hide my money so I didn't have to tithe as a little girl or I spent it all so that I would have nothing left It's like well it's it's not god's money it's my money that's how I viewed it because I didn't want my money going towards this bad church Well once I understood that first of all I don't have to go to that church anymore And when I really understood the first fruits, I was like, "Lord, forgive me." I actually asked God to forgive me for not tithing. And now I love to tithe. I can't wait to tithe. One one of the I would say that one of the, my favorite reasons for having a job and for working is not only to do a really good job at what I do and to feel that that basically that success that you have at accomplishing something but more importantly I love to tithe. I love it. I never thought I would ever be a tither again. I never thought that I would love to tithe because I'll say this. <coughs> Excuse me. When I was unemployed, 
and went through hell during that time, during that bad season of my life, the number one thing that bothered me about not earning a living was I missed tithing. Because I was already used to being poor, unfortunately. I was already used to not having enough food, not having enough water. I, I had already kind of adapted to that. That's really sad, right? But you, you adapt to your situation so that you can survive, right? But the number one thing that bothered me was not tithing. Because I would ask God, give me a job. Give me a job. I miss tithing. I miss it. See, because there's the thing. Tithing is planting a seed. It's sowing a seed into God's kingdom. That is much more important than a koala bear or a panda. And again, I'm not saying that you can't support those things because those are, you know, those are hobbies. Let me let me be more specific here. You can have a hobby especially if you can afford it and of course Seth MacFarlane can afford that. Here's the thing though. A hobby is not more important than doing the will of God because when you do the will of God, he will bless you with so much money, so so much financial assets that you can have as many hobbies as you as, you know, as many hobbies as you want because God sees that your heart is in the right place. But if you put your hobby first or some special interest first and not God, that's where it becomes a conflict of interest and then that's when you really miss out on using prayer or utilizing prayer as a weapon against any and every enemy because you know prayer guards and protects your guards and protects your soul, excuse me, but it also guards and protects your your bank account, your family, your body, your health, your mind, your will, your emotions. all of it but if your priorities are not in the right order and if your heart is not in the right place with things then it's not blessed and when something's not blessed it's not holy and see so you're saying prayer can help you weed out all the bad stuff in your life and get you back on track big time it worked for me And I know that it can work for anyone, even Seth MacFarlane and Ricky Gervais, as well as Bill Burr. But I will go ahead and end this podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye. Don't let this world go down